0: Welcome to another episode of Wabahola podcast. I'm Elisa, and I'm staff here Wabahola, and I'm so happy to invite you to listen to this new episode in which we had the blessing to have a conversation with Paul Childers. He is a co-founder of Heart and part of the leadership in Kona, and we were able to have a conversation with him about of Heart, where it came from, how it all started, and what is the heart of Wabahart. Hope you really enjoy it. We are so blessed and so happy to have a special guest today with us. His name is Paul Childers. He is the co-founder of Verb by Heart, which is one of our favorite schools. It's about uh, creating imaginary memories to share the real events of the real events of the gospel. And he's also leader, part of the leadership in Kona, so he's here, and we've taken the. The advantage of him being here to invite him to our podcast. So welcome, Paul.
1: You're... Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you, Elisa and YWAM Hola, for having me <laughs> back again. It's just a blessing uh, to be back here.
0: Yes, it's really a blessing for us also to have you, and you're very inspiring. And I would like to ask you to, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, about how you became a Yomomer, or how you met Christ.
1: Yeah, so that goes back a couple of years now. Uh, I come from New Zealand, and so uh, my dad's American and a pastor. And so the way I came to the Lord was, it was kind of straightforward really. Um, my dad was speaking at a camp and, um, and he gave an invitation for the people at the camp to follow the Lord after he preached. So I responded to the Lord in the context of our family family ministry. So since I was eight years old, I've been following Jesus. Uh, and then I did my first mission outreach when I was 14 years of age. So I traveled all the way to Australia. Uh, so you can imagine for New Zealand, to go to Australia was a big thing. And uh, But at 14 years of age, I traveled all by myself. And I got myself to the place where I should be. And we did our outreach up into Hong Kong and actually China. And so that was my first kind of uh, mission excursion. The next year I went to Papua New Guinea and we built a hospital uh, from sand. We actually made the bricks and we built the walls of a hospital in the middle of the jungle. So that was really quite an experience. Uh, Contracted malaria, um, doing that, so that was not so much fun. (laughs) But then at the age of 17, I, I felt like, you know... I kind of felt like God wanted uh, me to be a missionary. But when I was 16, about a year later, after Papua New Guinea, I decided I wanted to be a millionaire. (laughs) So I was like, you know, I think I'd rather be a millionaire than a missionary. So I was having great dreams for my life. But then I finished school a bit early, about a year early. And I thought, you know what? It's probably good that I do like a gap year and I get some more experiences. And why not do my way? Why not do a DTS? And I thought that would be a good idea. And I heard about it. My dad was a teacher in, in YWAM and DTSs. So, so through him I had some connection. And um, I signed up, they accepted me. And uh, here I am, like decades later, still, still in Youth with a Mission. And I'm very, very glad. And I, I, I count it a great privilege that I could be serving the Lord through YWAM as a career. So. You're a millionaire in another sense. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, amen, amen.
0: You got riches in heaven.
1: That's true, that's true, yeah.
0: So, mm, that's really nice. What's your favorite story about YWAM?
1: I have many stories about YWAM. I think probably the thing that immediately comes to my mind is uh, when I was about 25, I did a leadership training school Um, and Darlene Cunningham was the leader and this was happening in the south of Auckland where I come from where I was living at the time because I did step out of YWAM to do a degree, like a university degree. And so I was out of YWAM but then they accepted me or Darlene accepted me back onto her leadership training school. And so I came back into the mission. I wasn't planning on sticking around actually, I just felt the Lord say do this. So, I did it. I didn't even think they would accept me. (laughs) I thought that they would say, no, you're not a leader in YWAM, because it was a leadership training school. Mm. You're not a leader in YWAM, so you won't qualify. And I thought, you know what, it doesn't matter. If I feel God is telling me to do something, I can at least fill out the application, and they can deny it, right? So, I filled it in, they accepted, and at the end of that, Uh, Lauren came up to me, and I had hardly met Lauren, maybe only once or twice during the school. He was very busy, as he normally is, preaching and doing ministry all around the country. And he came up to me and said, you know, it would be an honor for me if you would travel with me. Would you like to come and travel with me through Europe and parts of Africa and so on? And I thought to myself, "Uh, uh, the honor is all mine. (laughs) You know, I I felt like, what kind of a guy said something like that? Well, I felt the Lord say I should do that, and about, it was probably a month or two after that, I found myself uh, in Rovaniemi, Finland, you know, where Rovaniemi is. Nobody knows where Rovaniemi is, except for the Finnish people, but apparently it's the place where Santa Claus comes from. So there he goes, way up north of the Arctic Circle.
0: My dad told me that it was in Finland.
1: In Finland, yeah, in Rovaniemi. So I was in that town, and uh, there I am, and I'm jammed in this car, this little sedan. You've got the driver and Lauren in the front, and then me, Dan Bauman, and another friend all squeezed in the back, which is like sardines. And here I am thinking to myself, what kind of person is this Mr. Lauren Cunningham, who Uh, You know, he's one of the statesmen in missions, and really in the body of Christ, um, senior statesman in the body of Christ. And here I am, squeezed up in a little car with him, traveling through Europe, (laughs) traveling through the Arctic Circle, uh, and then I began to realize some things about mission. Mission is not about the big platform. It's not about big crowds of applauding people. It's not about Books being sold in the millions, although that's helpful to spread the message. It's really about people being personal and connected with one another and imparting what they have in God from them to the other person and vice versa. And so I think the power of inclusion is so important. And I also learned that later as well in my life, to include others in my journey, to include my children in my journey. And uh, that, that's been definitely a favorite memory. So when you ask me that, Lauren Cunningham in the Arctic Circle, driving down the, the freeway, jamming a little car together uh, and just thinking, man, there's much more to the kingdom of God than I realize. Uh,
0: that's really cool. <laughs> try to imagine my hands is like, oh, this sounds fun. This is a lot of fun. So I can imagine like, when you were telling us about the story of how Orba Heart started, how, how can you tell us about it? Like, how did it start?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, thank you for that question, Elisa, because I didn't try and start a school. It didn't start. Like, we were not in some strategic boardroom setting with a big whiteboard and lots of ideas floating around the room. It wasn't like that at all. In fact, it came out of a very personal journey with God. In 2009, and I had a lot of personal challenge in my life at that point. Um, you know, just because you're a full time missionary doesn't mean you're perfect, uh, except for maybe you. Yeah. So, <laughs> far from reality. <laughs> no, but no, you know how it is, right? We we are people, uh, and I think that's what, what platforms are not helpful for in the body of Christ. We put people up on these big platforms mm-hmm. and Wow, they're amazing people and we hang off their every word. But it doesn't matter who the pastor is, who the preacher is, who the teacher is, who the whoever is, they're humans. And humans go through the same stuff. And so I was struggling. I was under a significant amount of challenge in my leadership. I had people who had turned against me, kind of like a Judas Mm -hmm. kind of situation. It was really hard. And so I was simply crying out to the Lord for personal renewal and transformation. Mm. You know, in YWAM, we love to pray that the world is transformed and revived, right? We have intercession times. We pray, we ask the Lord, revive us, O Lord, you know, revive the nations. The question is, is our hearts revived? are our hearts in that place of being revived, right? And at that time, I knew that it wasn't, and I needed to do business with God. So there I am, in a little tiny condo, definitely not a millionaire's house, <laughs> and tiny little shoebox condo. And it's in the middle of Kona Coffee Country, so it's all beautiful green, with the blue of the Pacific Ocean out, had a nice view of the ocean. And I was just crying out to the Lord, Lord, I need change I need to be revived I need I need to be a transformed Lord I just had that heart cry I I don't want to just drift in my spirituality I want to be on fire for you Lord Jesus you know there was this heart cry and as I'm there talking and talking and talking I just kind of paused to breathe a little bit and then the Lord spoke to me he was like I finally gave him a chance to speak back you know Uh, It's important, right? I mean, like, we Mm -hmm. love to speak, but sometimes God wants to speak back. Mm -hmm. He spoke back to me, and this is what he told me. And I tell you, these are the words I heard from him. Now, it was not an audible voice, but it was a very strong, clear thought in my heart, in my Mm -hmm. spirit. This is what I heard him say. Memorize the New Testament, that should do it for you. (laughs) But I was shocked. I was like, I'm wanting, like, spiritual revival. I need, like, someone to... Tell me that it's going to be okay. Something like, you know, God told Jesus, you are my dearly beloved son. You bring me great joy. Something nice. Instead, it's like, learn the New Testament by heart. It's like, that's kind of a big project. I don't need a big project. I need like spiritual renewal. Well, I did know one thing that, and I really felt that God was speaking to me. I needed to do this. And so, I was like, Lord, How? When? I'm a busy guy. I've got a lot of stuff on, right? It's like, how is this going to work out? And you know what he said? Nothing. He's like, figure it out yourself. (laughs) So I I knew what I had to do. I had to get up early in the morning. And so for about, for a good number of years, maybe three or four years, it was my custom to wake up Full 4 a.m. and work for two hours trying to learn God's word by heart. And at that point, uh, we hadn't developed the school word by heart. Now, word by heart is not about memorizing the word of God. It's it's about enjoying the word, having fun in the word, having the joy of the Lord, uh, laughing, having a, having a, a, an engagement in Scripture that that is life-giving. And the the result of that is that you learn God's word by heart. Right? It, it's, it's a byproduct, but it's not the main course, you know. So but, but this was before we had we had developed any of that stuff. And so I it was just brutal or wrote a memorization, just pounding those words and And you know the problem with memorization? You forget it. You forget it, but it often means nothing. Have you ever had that experience where you've memorized a passage over and over again, and then you go to read the chapter of the Bible, it's like, oh, this is good, oh, this is great, and then you hit that verse, and then it's like, it doesn't connect. (laughs) It doesn't connect to the chapter, and it kind of your mind kind of goes blank. Have you had that that experience? Mm. Um, I have. And it's because of this. When we memorize scripture like that, we're not thinking about the meaning. Mm. We are memorizing the sound of words. Mm. And the sound of words doesn't help. You know, that's what the Buddhists did. Did you know that they invented rotating bookshelves? in their massive monasteries. So they had thousands of manuscripts. And and they had so many manuscripts that they made rotating bookshelves so that that they could rotate. And you know what the Buddhist monks ended up doing? They ended up meditating on the sound of the bookshelves rotating. See? Uh, Rather than... Uh, reading and trying to understand what was written. Mm, And so when we memorize without meaning, we're just learning the sound of words, Mm, which doesn't help. Well, God uses everything. Of course it helps. And we all know these times where where just the word comes to us just at the right time of an encouragement from the Lord. But I think at a deeper level, we should always go to understand the meaning and the depth of insight we can get from the Word. Mm-hmm. Because this happened in real life, so we can apply it to our real lives. That thought transformed the world during the time of the Reformation. Mm-hmm. And so, that's important. Well, anyway, all of that to say, you got that for free. <laughs> A little bit of teaching there. But, well, it's amazing. Yeah. But, but the, it was this very personal journey with me, and so... As we developed it, uh, my son got involved, my my family got involved, and you know it was just so much fun and enjoyment, um, you know, getting into the word like that.
0: like, I keep thinking in my mind about when I studied that it was mathematics, mostly mathematics, and we would just memorize it like a brute, brute. But then if the teacher changed, made a little switch in the problem, then we we didn't know what to do. And he got really upset and angry because you're only memorizing the exercises. You're not understanding what it means or what it's true. And I feel it's the same with the word. That's right. We just memorize. We just have the words in a certain way, but we don't really let it sink in we yeah. don't go beyond what it means and yeah. it's like there's no transformation because you're
1: just being yeah and 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 in some ways it it, it it God uses everything listen I learned the whole gospel of Mark doing this rote memorization and it was a great blessing because my prayer was remember my prayer was Lord transform my life mm-hmm. and he did through memorizing the Gospel of Mark. But then what happened was I knew that there was more. There was something deeper, there was something richer, there was something that was richer for others. So I could like quote a whole gospel at people, word for word, the whole thing is pa pa pa. But wasn't actually pulling things out of their spirit. And I just felt like there was more. And that's what got me on the journey, I was asking around, asking the different people why YWAM, do you know anyone that can help me in this? And nobody could, because no one was crazy enough to want to <laughs> learn the New Testament <laughs> by heart. i like, it's kind of crazy, no we can't help, but maybe talk to someone else. And it went through a number of uh, people, and finally uh, someone suggested I talk to Bruce Kuhn, who did, who was a, a professional actor had a career on Broadway and uh, shows like Les Miserables, you know, this musical, um, and yeah, he was an amazing guy, but he kind of burned down the whole Hollywood scene, or not, the, not the whole Broadway scene, sorry, and then he decided he wanted to go upgrade the script from Les Mis- to the Word of God, and so he started to do Bible theater, so they just like yeah. learn, you know, a whole bunch of scripture text and then just deliver it as a show. Mm. And in, in an entertaining, dynamic way, and, and it went very well. And so then he started touring with IDP was at the Urbana Missions conferences, and in, mm. in North America, involved with Tim Keller in New York, and so on. Wow! And so, so he began to do this. And so when we got connected, it was kind of like a connection that 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 God made in heaven, because <laughs> he had the principles. Um, but in YWAM, we had the framework and the community that this could really land in. Because everyone's of course interested in this, oh, this is so interesting, this is so artistic, this is so fascinating. But, but no group and no university owned it until it came into YWAM and it, it was a very fertile ground for this to really connect and become part of who we are as a mission. So.
0: Mm, yeah. So, what was the the best lesson or the biggest lesson for you through War by Heart?
1: It's a really good question. Um, I think the greatest lesson that and the greatest thing that I got to know through. Learning all of the scripture. Now I haven't finished uh, learning the whole New Testament by heart, right? So <laughs> we're still we're still working on that one.
0: <laughs> what have you got so um, far?
1: But yeah, I've learned um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Revelation, and some of the smaller epistles. So um, so anyway, uh, and just because you've learned it, it doesn't mean that you retain it all the time, right? You still got to keep it fresh. Um, but I think out of all of that, the one thing that has really dropped into my heart is who Jesus is. What a phenomenal person. I mean, this guy is incredible, even as a human. You know, even if you take away Son of God, Word that made everything, second person of the Trinity, strip all that away and just look at his life. And in getting to know him, it was, it was really like getting to know him for the first time. Mm. Like, not, not just as a deity to worship, but as a person to know. Mm. As someone who had humor. As someone who could feel betrayal. Uh, when his friend Judas betrayed him with a kiss. How did Jesus receive that? Judas, do you betray the son of man with a kiss? How did he say that to him? Or what was his look at the leper, who had pus and sores and probably maggots crawling through his diseased skin? How did Jesus look at him? How did the leper look at Jesus, right? That personal reality. All of a sudden, Jesus became personal to me. It wasn't just this man on a crucifix it wasn't just this man in the Bible. He was a real person, and he really was an amazing person. And he really wants me to know him, and him to know me, and for us to have a, a real relationship. Mm. And, and not only while we're studying, but also, I think, learning the lesson of knowing that he is with us always. He's never not with us, even in our worst days frankly even when we sin he's always with us so so you know that is something and he loves us through it all I think that is the greatest lesson that I have learned from this experience and but also being aware of his presence Mm. it's awesome yes he is here with us and that makes all the difference in the world. And so I think I really grasp that through doing Word by heart. And through just. And, and also learning that time in the Word is to be life giving. It's not to be this arduous job. A lot of people find it hard to study the Bible. Hard. And do you know why? Because well, we're doing it wrong. <laughs> Listen, all of those books of the Bible, they were originally written. As scrolls, right? Mm -hmm. And you didn't have people coming to the synagogue or the church with five scrolls under their arm. They were huge things, right? It's like you know, and they were too expensive anyway. Uh, It was owned by the community. Mm -hmm. The engagement in scripture was a community Mm -hmm. engagement. The scripture was read as a community activity. Mm -hmm. It and so what happened in the fifteen hundreds. When Gutenberg made the printing press, the Bible was translated into all of the languages languages of Europe, uh, and all of a sudden the Bible was mass-produced. So everyone could have a Bible they could study in their own home. And so we had an explosion of biblical understanding, and everyone was taking it home and they were reading it. However, what we've done, is we've just kept on that, that track, and so a Bible study, when we say those words, we think, oh, I have to sit at my desk and read and study myself. Mm. So what Word by Heart does is it restores the community aspect to it, where you discuss and share and throw ideas around, where you laugh and cry, where you might shout in frustration, <laughs> or like, I'm not getting this. Uh, But someone else has another perspective that is so rich and deep And, and see it restores that community environment around the Word because learning the Word is not just learning words on a page, it's learning one another and how one another, how we all see Jesus, how we all perceive who He is. And it's such a rich experience, you know, first Word-by-Heart School we had an Afghani, we had someone from Cameroon, Africa, we had Brazilian, uh, an American, we had a New Zealander, and a couple other cultures, and it was so rich, because you have this confluence of life experience coupled with perspective on the meaning of Jesus in these stories. And I felt like we were finally, it wasn't just a really nice multicultural, cross-cultural experience. (laughs) This was the riches of what it means to be in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And and see, as we gather in that circle and we learn from one another and the richness of that cultural environment of the nations, uh, then we truly learn who Jesus is Mm -hmm. as King. Of all nations, Mm. he's not just limited to one culture, right? He expresses Um, his heart through through all of our cultures, and so as we learn from one another, we learn about him.
0: Yes, beautiful. I was thinking about all the times that during uh, during our school these weeks, when we talk about this, and sometimes we just stop and say, you know, this is like this, and we talk about it and I received some different perspectives from listening from my uh, classmates. Right. That they made me, when I told the stories, that it changes how I share it.
1: Totally.
0: Yeah, it's like, one of my uh, classmates, he told me, do you think how the vinegar must have felt Mm. in his lips? Mm -hmm. They must have been like, all open. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was like,
0: like I mean like, and so when I did the coaching, yeah. When I shared the story. the story to the teacher, yeah. she said, "You made this face about yeah. when you mentioned the vinegar. <laughs> yeah. You made this face like, yeah. like we I could feel I could sense yeah. the vinegar. I was like yes, because I was like oh, I was yeah. sensing in my mind.
1: Yeah, and I almost and have felt. And you bring up a very very good point. See, we have used the scripture now for our centuries as a repository. Of theological propositions, right? Like a place where we go to do theology mm. and we have stripped away from the scripture the living reality of what actually who Jesus was and that's why people don't feel like the Bible is relevant to their lives because what we often do is we talk about theology which is often not relevant to where ordinary people are at. It's relevant to a sector of a sort of professional Christian uh, you know, career. And I'm not knocking it, it's, it's important we have people that wrestle these ideas down. But but the, the real life reality of what Jesus was doing and how he was talking to people, it's radical that Jesus would allow a woman, and it was a sinner. So in this context, she was either a prostitute, she was an adulteress, it was a sexual sin, most probably. And everyone knew about her. And probably a lot of the men had used her. But the culture, everything has to be good publicly, right? The shame-based culture. So as long as you're okay publicly... You are okay. Doesn't matter what you do personally. So everyone knows about this woman, and Jesus is invited to uh, Simon the Pharisee's house. He goes. Jesus hung out with the Pharisees too, and the rich people, not only the poor and the diseased. He went to everyone. <laughs> and so she comes in, and she falls at his feet, and she she's weeping over his feet. She takes her veil off her head, which in some ways she's like being naked, right? In this culture, and she starts wiping his feet with her hair, which even today would be something a woman wouldn't necessarily immediately do, right? Um, and, And so all of a sudden you've got, she's doing this, and then she starts kissing his feet. And you know what Jesus does? allows her to do it. Kissing her feet, kissing his feet, kissing his feet. Now, you put yourself in the situation, you're in a restaurant with your pastor, all your religious folks, and someone comes up to you and just starts kissing you and hugging you and weeping over you, and what would you do? You'd probably go, "We just sit down here, just let's talk about it. Would you just allow that person to do it for minutes, maybe half an hour, an hour? Right? Jesus was radical. So anyway, this is just a wonderful school, but it's really leading us forward in missions as well. And I think uh, as we are learning, we can learn God's Word by heart as individuals. So it's almost like, in a different kind of a way, but the Word can become flesh through us in this very personal, real, dynamic way. But because we do word-for-word Bible storytelling, So, it's not storytelling like I'm just telling a story, we're doing the word-for-word scripture. This enables this ministry to be incredibly missional. And really what we're working on is we want to enable people to do oral Bible translations. So, say you live up high in the Himalayas and you have a village where you come from, uh, that's your mother tongue, but you also know Hindi or Nepali, the language of the country. You come to our school, you learn Luke in Hindi uh, but you pretty much at the end of that could do an immediate translation of that into your mother tongue, right? It's easy, it's just what you do. And so what we can do is as we spread the word by heart school around, we connect it to this new technology where we can translate the Bible in oral form. Do you know what we can do? we can quickly, in the next five to ten years, get all the languages on earth some scripture. You know, there's only 1,700 languages in the world that have no scripture at all. That's
0: a big number. It's a big number,
1: but we can move quickly on this because um, through, like, Word by Heart, and then oral Bible translation, and then we can get it out. So, my challenge to Guayuampola is, how about the, na- are there any languages in Mexico that have no Bible? Could we in the next five years, the next three years, get an oral translation of John, or Luke, or Matthew into those languages? And, uh, and we do it properly, so it's a good translation. That's why you have to do the school. Mm-hmm. Basically all of it would mean is getting people who know Spanish and that know that mother tongue and having them learn the gospel in that language and then at the end of the school we train them how to do it well so that's Oral Bible Translation School or OBT voila you've got the start of a bible translation project.
0: Oh that's amazing it's like it's uh, thinking about sometimes the audio versions they're very Monotone, it's like right. too boring. <laughs> right. So, if you try to tell the story, yes. like in storytelling way, yes. that, and so that's.
1: And that's why word by heart is so important because it gives you that meaning that then you can connect with. And so, really, the goal of all of this is Revelation 7 9. Uh, I saw a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, language, people, and nation standing before the throne, they were dressed in white and had palm branches and they were shouting, Salvation belongs to our God, Mm -hmm. who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Now, that is a picture of God's eternal dream. Mm -hmm. All nations, all tribes, all people, but did you notice? All languages. Mm -hmm. And so that's what Word by Heart is set to do.
0: It's amazing to hear the story of how it it came out of something personal, something very personal. Right. And it's like God is get, getting right. it to be something that it's much more like to the nations. Yes. I feel that's the heart of Waiwam to be to allow God to do that with our dreams that are personal. Mm-hmm. That, he's, that he's gonna fulfill them in our lives, you know, he's gonna transform us first and then it's gonna use us to transform the nations.
1: That's really true, Elisa. And maybe just as we wrap up here, I think the thought is sometimes we don't wish for difficult times in our lives. Mm -hmm. But maybe, just maybe, if you include Jesus in that difficult time, whatever that difficult time is, he will give you a key that might be radical. Learn the whole New Testament by heart, right? That's (laughs) That's radical, (laughs) you know. I guess I'm a radical person, so I need to have a radical challenge. But but it could break the box. But he gives you a key for mm-hmm. you. But you know, he won't only mean it for you. Mm-hmm. He has a much broader perspective mm-hmm. that he can that he can bless the nations through you. So mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Thank you so much for sharing uh the heart of Borba Heart and your heart as well. Yeah. And to yeah, getting us into uh, excited about Web of Heart and the missions and yeah, about Jesus as well. It's just, mm-hmm. just most of all, it's, mm-hmm. I really loved to hear from you mm-hmm. about Jesus. Yeah. Thank you so much for allowing us to interview you, to have this conversation with you. Yeah. May God keep on blessing you, you and your family and your leadership. And we hope to see you soon. That was a really cool conversation. I'm really happy that you were able to listen to it and I hope that it has blessed you and you were able to receive the heart of my heart and for you to have a thirst to go deep in the word of God. Have a blessed week and see you for the next episode.